I hope you guys are ready. I hope you guys are ready to spend some time today to read the scripture. We're listening to this on the Read and Rant podcast. This is being recorded from a live that we're doing on TikTok, IG, and now on YouTube live. Um, and you may be a patron. You may be listening to this, you know, maybe somewhere later on down the line. Either way, regardless, grateful that you're here and we get to spend some time in the reading of the word. So let's do it. Um, when we when we do this reading, this isn't like what we do on Patreon, where on Patreon we do Bible study, where we're engaged in depth to understand what the scripture is saying, um, to uh, exegete the scripture, to exposit the scripture, to break down the scripture. We're doing a series right now, a uh, topical series on, on, on the scripture. This is different. What we do here is we're through the Bible. We're going from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We're reading through the Bible. Some of you have read from Matthew all the way to Revelation with me. Others have began in Genesis. Some of you guys have jumped in somewhere in the middle. Either way, all the Read and Rant podcast, if you're watching this, all is available to you. You can go check it out. Um, we're, we're, we're now moving towards $150,000 lows, which is amazing uh, to see so many people wanting to journey with us in the reading of the scriptures. If you're if you're not a person of faith, regardless of where you are, I want to encourage you just to do it. And the reason why I'm encouraging you to do it is because it really helps you see what does the Bible really say? Because a lot of times people have a position on what the Bible says. And a lot of us, even those who are believers, get led astray because we never actually read it for ourselves. And so we let people tell us about what the Bible says without actually reading what the Bible says. Um, I find that the people who I, Christians misquoting scripture or not even just misquoting it, giving verses that aren't even in the Bible. Like there's, they're telling you, yeah, you know, like the Bible says this is, I'm like, that's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that. And that's not what the Bible is about. This is why, whether you're a person of faith or not, I promise you, there's some things that people may have told you about what the Bible said or things that you believe that the Bible said that the Bible didn't really say. And this is just an opportunity for you guys to journey with me in the reading. And so let's do that. You're, we're just reading. We're not even seeking to break down anything. We just want to read. And then we're going to ask three questions as we read. It's, and this is just a step of faith that you're going to take and say, God, what, do you, what are you revealing concerning yourself? What are you revealing concerning yourself? The second question you're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? What are you revealing concerning people? And the third thing, the third question I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning? Okay. And so that's what I want to encourage you guys to do. I want to encourage you guys just to really spend time and just reflectively ask God what is what he's revealing as we spend this time reading. We're going to read for maybe 15 to 20 minutes. And then afterwards, I'll spend maybe a few minutes, whatever time is afforded to us today, to just reflect and just to share what God is speaking to me today about. And you guys have an opportunity to, to eavesdrop on that. And that's why we call this the Read and Rant. So let's pray and let's get to Thank you, Lord, that you brought us here. Oh, Lord, you've brought people from all over the world in different time zones, on different platforms, different technologies, watching it in different ways, Lord God through their iPads, their cell phones, through their phones, whatever it may be. Father, you brought us all together to read your word. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, in this moment, Lord, that you would speak to each of us 
as we engage in your word today. Lord, bless us. We ask that in your name we pray. Amen. 62. We're closing out. Let's do it. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. Until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns, the Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. You shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of the Lord. You shall no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land any more be termed desolate, but you called Hesphaba and your land Beulah, for the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married. Hmm. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your son And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall God rejoice over you. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention, do not keep silent and give him no rest till he establishes until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. The Lord has sworn in his right hand and by the arm of his strength, surely I will no longer give your grant as food for your enemies. And the sons of foreigners shall not drink of your new wine for which you have labored. But those who have gathered it shall eat it and praise the Lord. Those who have brought it together shall my holy courts. Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, take out the stones, lift up a banner for the peoples. Indeed, the Lord has proclaimed the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, surely your salvation is coming. Behold, his reward is with him and his work is before him, and they shall call them a holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you shall be called sought out, not forsaken. Isaiah 63. Who is this who comes from Edom with dyed garments of Basra, this one who is glorious with his apparel, traveling in great strength, who speak in righteousness, mighty to save, why is your apparel red and your garments like one who treads in a winepress? I have trod in the winepress alone and from people with me, for I have trodden them in my anger and trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments and I have stained all my robes for the day of vengeance is in my heart. My redeem has come. I looked, but there was no one to help. And I wondered that there was no one to uphold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation for me. And my own fury is... I have trodden down the peoples in my anger, made them drunk in my fury, and brought down their strength to the earth. I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord all that the Lord has bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel 
which he has bestowed on them according to his mercies. For he said, Surely they are my people. Children will not lie. In their Savior. And in their affliction he was afflicted. And the angels of his presence saved them. In his love and his pity he redeemed them, and he bore them and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled. Holy Spirit. So he turned himself against them as an enemy, and he fought against them. Then he remembered the days of old. Moses and his people saying, Where is he who brought them out of the sea with the shepherd of the flock? Where is he who within them, who led them by the right hand of Moses with a glorious arm, dividing the water before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the deep as a horse in the wilderness, that they might not stumble? goes down into the valley, and the Spirit of the Lord causes him to rest. So you lead your people to make yourself a glorious name. Look down from heaven and see from your habitation where are your zeal and your strength, the yearnings of your heart and your mercies toward me. Are they restrained? Doubtless, you are our Father. Through Abraham, Sorry, though Abraham was ignored and Israel does not acknowledge us, you, O Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer. From everlasting is your name. O Lord, why have you made us stray from your ways and hardened your heart from you? Return to your servant's sake. The tribes of your inheritance, your holy people have possessed it but a little while. Our adversaries have trodden down your sanctuary. We have become like those of old over have never ruled those who were never called by your name. Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, shake at your presence as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When did when you did awesome things for which we did not look at you, the mountains shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you, who acts for the one who waits for him. You meet him who and does righteousness, who remembers your ways. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned. In these ways we continue, and we need to be saved. But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our filthy rags, sorry, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind. He has taken us away. There is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you our and we all are the work of your hand. Mm. Do not be furious, O Lord, nor remember iniquity forever. Indeed, please look, we all are your people. Your holy cities, Zion is a wilderness, Jerusalem is a desolation. 
Our holy and beautiful temple where our fathers praised you is burned up with fire and all our pleasant things are laid waste. Will you restrain yourself because of these things, O Lord? Will you afflict us very severely? Goodness gracious. There's just so much. Isaiah 65. I was sought by those who did not ask. I was found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. I have stretched out my hand all day long to rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, according to their own thoughts. A people who provoke me to anger continually to my face, who sacrifice in gardens and burn incense on altars of brick, who sit among the graves and spend night in the tombs, swine's flesh and the broth of abominable things in their vessels, who say, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am holier than you. These are smoke in my nostrils and fire that burns all day. Behold, for me, I will not keep silence, but will repay, even repay into their bosom. Your iniquity and the iniquities of your fathers together, says the Lord who have burned incense on the mountains and blaspheme me on the hills, their, their former work into their bosom. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster and one says, do not destroy it for a blessing is in it. So will I do for my servants sake that I may not destroy them all. I will from Jacob and from Judah an heir of my mountains. My elect shall inherit it and my servants shall dwell there. So much. Sharon shall box in the valley of Akar, a place for hers to lie down, for my people have sought me. But you are those who forsake the Lord, who forget my holy mountain, who prepare a table for Gad, I shall drink offering for many. Therefore, I will number you for the sword, and you shall all bow down to the slaughter. Because when I called, you did not answer. When I spoke, you did not hear, but did evil before my eyes, in which I do not delight. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, you shall be ashamed. Behold, my servants shall sing for joy of heart, but you shall cry for the sorrow of heart and wail for the grief of spirit. You shall leave your name as a curse to my children. For the Lord God will slay you and all and call his servants by another name. So he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. And he who swears in the earth shall swear by the God of truth. Troubles are forgotten because they are hidden from my eyes. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice. For behold, I create Jerusalem as rejoicing and her people a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Infant from there live but, but a few days. 
nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die 100 years old, and the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. They shall build them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of the tree, so shall be the days of my people, and my elect shall enjoy the work of their hands. Goodness gracious. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble, for they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they're still speaking, I will hear the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox and thus shall be the serpent's food. Hurt nor destroy all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Isaiah 66. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne. And earth is my footstool, the house that you will build for me. And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made, all those things exist, said the Lord. But this, but on this one, I will look on him who is poor, contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. He who kills a bull is as if he slays a man. He who sacrifices a, a lamb as if he breaks a dog's neck. He who offers, a, as if he offers swine's blood. He who burns incense, as if he blesses an idol. Just as they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations, so I will choose their delusions and bring them. Because when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not hear. When I did evil, when they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I do not delight. Hear the word of the Lord. Tremble at his word. Your brethren who hated you, who cast you out for your namesake said, let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy. But they shall be ashamed. From the city, a voice from the temple. A voice of the Lord who fully repays his enemy. Therefore, she was in labor. She gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in she gave birth to her children. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord? Shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb, says the Lord? Jerusalem, and be glad with her, all you who love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all you who mourn for her that you may feed and be satisfied with the consolation of her bosom, that you may drink deeply and be delighted of her glory. For thus says the Lord, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then you shall feed and on her side you be carried and be dangled on her knees. Whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you.
and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. When you see this, your heart shall rejoice, and your bones shall flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord is his servants, and his indignation to his enemies. For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with chariots, like a whirlwind, to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword, all flesh, and the slain of the Lord shall be many. And those who sanctify themselves, purify themselves to go to the gardens after an idol in the midst, eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse. For I know their works and their thoughts, and it shall be that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. And I will set aside among them and those among them who escape. I will nations to Tarshish and Pool and Lud, who draw the bow and Tubal and Javan, to the coastlands afar off, who have not heard my fame nor seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. Then they shall bring all for an offering to the Lord out of all nations, on horses and in chariots and in litters, on mules and on camels, to my holy mountain, Jerusalem, says the Lord, as the children of Israel bring an offspring in a clean vessel into the house, I will take some of them for priests and Levites, says the Lord. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants in your name remain. And it shall come to pass from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of men who have transgressed against me. The worm does not die, and their fire is not quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. And that is wow I say that because there is way too much to unpack <laughs> um, the last five chapters of Isaiah are um, a dissertation in and of themselves. Isaiah is, it gets really, really heavy at the end. And really what is, what, what, what you'll notice is, is happening is that there's a um, climactic resolution in the book of Isaiah. Um, you, you know, it doesn't settle out and say, and they shall live happily ever after. Uh, and it's kind of like a fade away, but it's a fade up. And there's so much really, to, and if you notice, even as you're, you're listening to this, as you're watching me wrestle through, what is the Lord speaking to me today versus, man, I feel like there's so much I need to unpack in regards to what the today. And of course, unfortunately, this is just a read and rant. So I'm not really afforded the kind of time to really break down every part of this. And so if I were to leave with any thought, it's 
God takes care of things for those who he's called. When God calls you, he takes care of you. And even in the midst of it, when things the way that you intend for it to be, God is working it out. And you can say that he's working it out in your favor, but he's working it out in your favor for his glory. This was always about him. This was always about his rule. This was always about his judgment. This was always about his justice. This was always about his glory. I, you know, I, before I even start all of that, it's important for you to know this, fam. God's doing this for his glory. Your breakthrough is not about you. It's not about your goals. It's not about your power. It's not about your self-actualization. It's for his glory. And God about his glory that he'll break you through so that his glory can shine through you. So remember this. It ain't about you. It's all about him. And if God can get you through, it's because he wants to see his glory emanate through you. That's just a little preface to all of this, but how, how do we get to that? Like, how do we get to that? There's so much to talk about because in this, there's the justice of God. In this text, there's the judgment of God. In this text is God's sovereignty, his authority and his rule. In this text is God's salvation. In this text is his creation. In this text is his sanctification. In this text is so much of what we talk about that we're, even though we're not afraid to break it down, there's some continuities here that we have to make we make make you guys well aware of. First of all, Israel's breakthrough has nothing to do with Israel's performance. Did you hear what I said? I say that because we're reading this and in the end now, because remember, we're talking about this from a different angle. Maybe some of you, a quick, quick recap. We read all of this before, okay? We all we read all of this before. We, we read from, from Genesis all the way now to the book of Isaiah. We read the historical narrative. We read from Judges, from Joshua, Judges, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, Samuel, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. We read Ezra. We read Nehemiah. We read Esther. So we read through all the historical narrative of the children of Israel, the history of the children of Israel. And we saw God's participation in the history of the children of Israel. One thing that Isaiah provides now, because what Isaiah's What's happening in Isaiah sits on top of what was happening in that time. It's just that Isaiah is looking at it from a different angle. And so we see God's activity in the history of the children of Israel. We need to see God's grace and God's work and God's move and God's salvific work, his, his, the soteriological implications of what God is doing behind the scenes. Israel is going through what it's going through. Israel is in the midst of this fam. Israel's going through all of this. And yet God is bringing theology out of this. He's bringing the gospel out of this message and his work out of this. He's bringing his glory out of this. He's bringing his mission out of this. He's bringing his plan out of this. And we're looking at the children of Israel who were supposed to be the children the people the, that would 
bring the authority, the sovereignty, the righteousness, the 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 justice, the the making of all things new, things being made right, that it was supposed to happen through Israel, but Israel grave error. And it's the grave error that many of us make is Israel forgot who they were. Israel forgot. Israel forgot what they were called to. Israel forgot that they were a distinct people. You know, a lot of times the reason why our lives fall apart is because we just forget who we are. Forget who we are. And because we forget who we are, we make compromises. We make compromises. We we compromise our values. We compromise our morals. We compromise our plan. We compromise our our conviction because we just forget who we are. I find that interesting that there's a lot of us right now who are compromising even the person that we're because we've forgotten who we are. We've compromised the jobs that we take because we forgot who we, who we are. When you forget who you are, it brings you into all kinds of trouble. So don't forget who you are. Don't forget your, don't forget you've been called by him. Don't forget that you carry his image and his presence. Don't forget his seed is in you. His spirit is upon you. Don't forget you've been called to something greater than anything anyone would see. There's so compromise. And we compromise because we forgot who, we forget who we are. Israel compromised who they were. And it's because of this compromise that Israel now falls into what everybody else fell into. They begin to live like everybody else lived. Some of this sounds so harsh. You read this, you go, man, God sounds harsh. Like, this is tough. God is being real tough. You got to understand we're living. I gave you guys a hint on this, but this is like Game of Thrones, y'all. If y'all watch Game of Thrones... Game of Thrones is PG to the way these people were living. Are y'all hearing me? Game of Thrones was Game of Thrones is like, man, them people, man. Golly, Game of Thrones is, man, that's that's near pornographic. It's crazy. Guess what? This is how these people lived. And it's not what God intended. God intended a life that was greater, more fruitful, a life in abundance. But when you live a life that's wrapped up around your flesh, wrapped up around your desire, wrapped up around your self-preservation, wrapped up around your power, wrapped up around your ability, wrapped up around what feels good, what is good, what when your life is wrapped around that, you fall into a pit of self-gratification that leaves ramifications all throughout your life. No one plans to hurt anybody. Let me say that again. No one plans to hurt anyone. Not a single person here says, man, I can't break somebody's heart. Man, I can't wait to hurt somebody. Man, I can't wait to do somebody dirty. Man, I can't wait no one plans to ruin somebody. 
And yet the errors in our life that ruin the lives of people around us come out of our desire to just do what's best for ourselves, to satisfy my flesh, myself and I, what feels good, what is good, what, you know, what's nice, what's this, what's that. And it's because of all of that, that there's a ripple effect that goes all across the, the board, across family, across people you you don't know. This is what sin does. And this is what these people have fallen down into. And yet now Israel called to live a life of a higher standard, to be a holy people separate from this world, live just like them. And now Israel's falling under their power, their rule, because Israel didn't have a power unto themselves other than from God. Influence didn't come through anything other than God. The land that they bestowed, that was bestowed upon them, came from nothing else other than God. It was a gift. It was the blessing of God, the favor of God. Has me thinking. When we live cognizant of the favor of God, it changes how we live. Like when we live knowing it's the favor of God that God is there, it changes how we move. It changes how we are with our spouses. It changes how we are with our money. It changes how we live in the favor of God. Knowing that it's the favor of God that got us there, it changes us. But when we live with this entitlement, get here. I did this myself. This was me. I did this. I worked this. I worked hard. Nobody's going to take away from the fact that you worked hard, but guess what? Lots of people work hard and didn't get what you got. It's the favor of God over your life. Now it's this favor of God. Now that moves you and motivates you. Your life changes. When you live with the favor. Did you hear what I said, family? I I can break down a lot of things here because it looks like the bride of Christ is the land, not necessarily the church. (laughs) It it looks like the bride of Christ. It looks like the bride that's being spoken about here. The bride is the land. It looks like the bride is the territory. It looks like the bride... on there. There's so many other implications here. We could talk about the eschatological implications of what it looks like for God to establish a new heaven and a new earth, because it looks like God's not trying to pull people out of the earth and send them to heaven. God's looking to restore the earth and to make it new and to renew the people, restore them. It looks like that. I'm just putting that out there. I'm just throwing that out there. It looks like that this is really centered around Jesus. And it looks like the work that Jesus is doing is not to just give people a ticket out of hell, but rather to give restoration to the earth, to bring renewal to the earth. It establishing a justice, not through Israel, but through the world and the nation. And I can go through all kinds of scripture and all kinds of texts here to see how God is actually bringing restoration to the world and he's doing it through a nation. It looks like God is bringing restoration, not through a people, through a people by grace, it looks like all of that. We don't have time for all of that. We don't have time to break down all of that. But you can read through this and you can read all the highlighted things in here. And you can see that, man, God's got a plan that's way bigger than Israel. And it looks like doing 
is in spite of it. And it looks like there's more to this than just what God is doing for Israel. It looks like what Israel is going through right here in this moment has implications for all time. And it looks like those who are evil, who are practiced in will never see satisfaction, who will, who, who will be consumed by fire, that this worm that does not die, this fire that will not be quenched, this transgression against God is not a transgression based off of simply a thing that mindset in a way that they are. It looks like that this is more about what governs them and what rules them, not about simply what they do. And it looks like, I'm sorry if I throw this out there, but it looks like that their transgression is really about gratitude to Christ, to the Lord, to God, and not to themselves. But that's another conversation for another day. I'm just dropping hints. Because again, we don't have time. But the one thing that I want to break down, though, is that it looks like God is doing something through a people. And go back and read everything I just said and I, that little bat and that rant. Go back and read through it again. Read through 62. Hear everything I just said just now and read through it one more time and see it for yourself. I'm not here to tell you. I want you to go see it for yourself. Read it for yourself. Catch it for yourself because I'm not authority and the guy who tells you what's right and what's wrong. That's not me. That ain't me. I'm just here to show you what's here. I'm just journeying with you. But I want to hint into what God is really encouraging me with today is that this restoration this new thing that God is doing with the people who have messed up over and over again. These people think that it's their ability. These people think that it's their capacity. These people think that it's what they do and how they do it and how great they do it. They think that it's all about them. They think that it's they're following the law. They think that it's, hey, as long as I do what God says, let me just do what God says. Let me follow the law. Let me follow the Torah. Side note, the Sadducees loved the Torah because it was, and it was about the obedience of the law and the blessing that came from following the law. But they hated the Tanakh, which was the whole scripture, the prophets, because the prophets brought grace. And I don't have enough time to get through all this, but the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they loved legalism, but they missed what was happening here. Or maybe they didn't. They just didn't want anyone else to catch it. Because here we see a people who did not follow the law, and yet God is saying, I'm going to restore you anyway. I'm going to use you anyway, not because of your ability or because of your record in obeying God's law, but because of the work that I'm going to do through you. Because what you do is never going to be good enough. The judgment is not going to be on the person who couldn't obey the law. Evil comes from the fact that you still want to follow your own flesh and your own law. But when you live God, 
you live by a whole new way of living and a whole new way of thinking and a whole new way of doing. The reality is that even in the church today, people, through the grace of God, they're still living by their power, their ability, their might, what they can do. They're living by their righteousness, not realizing that God wanted our compliance. God wanted us. God wasn't looking for you to just obey his law. God wants you to relationship with him. And for so many of us, we're too busy trying to get to that resort in the sky that we miss the whole purpose of salvation. I'm going to say that. And I need you to hear me real carefully. We are so busy trying to get a ticket into that resort that's in the sky. You know, heaven, where it's is good and the water tastes good and we get to live eternally in comfort that we missed the whole purpose of salvation. Paul said salvation is to know God. And for so many of us, we want a ticket out of hell or a ticket in not what Jesus died for. He died for an opportunity to be in relationship with God again. So while you're so busy looking for another form of comfort, God was looking for you to be one. And a lot of us miss that because we're trying to do right to make sure we get into that sky resort, not realizing that none of it will get us in and none of it will keep us out. Here's the reality, family. As many of us, we're trying to bring our record to God. Hey, God. So I went to church 40 weeks this, this year. I did all right for myself. Hey, God, you know, I did, I did good. You know what I mean? I didn't do anything bad. I was a good person. I was a really good person this year. Um, you know, we do the whole Santa Claus thing. I was, I was more nice. Made a couple of mistakes here and there, but I did the best I could do. I mean, how many of y'all done that? Hey, God, ready for this? this? How many of you prayed this to God? How many of you are hoping to get to heaven? And this is your prayer. Hey, God, I've been, been a pretty good person. I don't really make that many mistakes. I, I, I've, been, I've done more good than bad. And when I do bad, I don't really do it on purpose. But I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm trying hard. And yes, I mess up, but I'm, I'm trying hard, God. And, you know, I've, I've been good. I, I gave some money to charity. I did that. And, you know, I, I've gone to church a couple of times. I missed some church, but, you know, but you get it. Like, sometimes it's hard. And God, I'm just trying to be the best person I can be. And I know I, I slept with this person, but dang, that was just, it was a bad day. And I'm sorry. I live on this, 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 this way of thinking. Like, God is giving us a ticket to heaven because of how we perform when our performance cannot get us in. And our inability to perform doesn't keep us out. It was never about your performance. It was about your relationship with him. It was about relationship. And God did it and did all that he could to get into relationship with us. So this is my last point. One verse 
that when you see it, you're going to fully understand it. And some one teaching thing I can give. I, I, don't, I can't give you a lot of teaching stuff, but I can give you one teaching thing. Isaiah 64, verse 6. I want you to go and just point this out because this is the one that sticks out. And this is the one that's moving me today. I spent more time than I thought. So I'm sorry. Grace. I want you to see what grace really looks like. And you can see it in Isaiah. Isaiah verse 6. He says, but we are like an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind he has taken us away. And there is no one who calls on your name who stirs himself up to take hold of you for you have hidden your face from us and have consumed of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you our potter and all we are the work of your hand. I want to point, make sure you catch this because this is so important for so many of y'all that are still trying to do right with God. It says, all our righteousnesses are filthy rags. When you go to church on Sunday and you give God your Sunday school report and how many times you go to Sunday school or how many times you go to Bible study, when you give God all the good things you did, all the people you fed, and all the homeless people that you gave money to. And when you give God all the times you showed up to church on Sunday and you, you give God all the times you did good and all of that. Ready for this? All businesses are filthy rags. Filthy rags. Meaning, no matter how good you do by God, no matter how good you do as a person, they're filled to ask you a question. And this might be an eye-opening experience for you because it's something that's that I had encountered, I don't know, years ago. And it brought me to tears. I'm a better now. I understand this verse. Until a couple of years ago, I didn't fully understand what this meant. When I first read this, and it said, your righteousness are filthy rags to God. When I first read that, what came to my mind was, our righteousness is just not good. It don't mean anything. Like all those things we do, they have no value. They, 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 don't, they don't matter. And, and it took me, I finally realized what this verse actually means. It means so much more because it's not that your righteousness isn't good in and of itself. There's nothing wrong with feeding the homeless. There's nothing wrong with people. There's nothing wrong with being a good person. There's nothing wrong with not lying. There's nothing wrong with making sure that you don't commit fraud on your taxes. There's nothing wrong with any of that. All that stuff is good. So if you say it's filthy rags, meaning it's bad to God, you missed it. This is the one moment that I'll teach, <laughs> but I'll teach you one thing today, if that's all right, because I, I, don't, I don't ever like being in the teaching posture, but I'm going to teach one thing today. <laughs> At least for reading rants, I don't like doing that, but I'm going to teach you one thing today. 
Why did he say your righteousness are like filthy rags? The word for filthy rags there in that scripture is the rag that was used for women who were in their menstrual cycle. So it was a tampon. And I always wondered, like, why would God use this terminology? Why would he call our righteousness like dirty tampons? <laughs> I'm going to call this episode dirty tampons. It's going to get me in trouble. <laughs> I hope it don't get me in too much trouble, ladies. So please, please don't let it get me into trouble. But that word is the same word that's used for dirty tampons. Why would God call your righteousness a dirty tampon? Have you ever thought about that? Why would God say your righteousness is a dirty tampon? Because a dirty tampon comes from a woman who has just menstrual period. And what did it say? Okay, we'll call it dirty pads. We'll call it dirty pads. Pads, thank you. All the ladies are like, please don't do that. Pastor, please do not call it that. Please. So why dirty pads? Well, because the Bible tells us how a woman who was in her menstrual cycle ought to have been treated. That when she was in her menstrual cycle, she was considered unclean. And because she was considered unclean, she needed to be as far from any type of contact. More specifically, far from any type of intimate contact. When he says that your righteousness is as a dirty pad, what he's saying is, is that you thinking that your righteousness is good enough is God in the same way that the law had treated a woman who was in her menstrual cycle or who was menstruating. I know it sounds ugly. It sounds nasty. I know it sounds way off. I know it sounds, you know, we're just real. We're just being real up in here, y'all. We're just being real up in here. This is the kind of way that God sees our righteousness. He saw our righteousness that way. And because he saw our righteousness, that that kind of righteousness causes him to be distant from us. And it's not because a woman was for this, because the law said this is how a woman ought to be treated. God pointing now back to an Isaiah remnant of that, pointing back to that, alluding to that, saying that your righteousness, it's not that it just makes you dirty or that it's filthy. Your righteousness distances you from God. Your righteousness distances you from God in the same way that the law made a woman's, a, a menstruating woman distance herself from her husband. So husband, Christ, who wants to be intimate through Christ, where we can find intimacy and connection with God, to be close to God. Through that, our righteousnesses were distant from God. And he's saying all our righteousnesses, because our righteousnesses are just enough 
feel so good about ourselves that we don't need a relationship with God because we're doing good by ourselves. God, I, I read my word. I'm doing good. God, I'm studying. I'm doing good. God, I've been to church every Sunday, perfect attendance. I'm, God, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You know what? I'm doing great, God. Can't wait for that ticket to heaven. Can't wait to get in so I can get my, my little room, my little resort, because I don't need you, God, because that's what my righteousness does. It distances me. And yet we see how God treats those who the world would deem unrighteous, that even in the midst of that, he still brought Jesus. Powerful of an analogy when we see now of the man who steps on the wine press, who begins to enact his justice for his people, that we read Isaiah 62, that it's those very people who everybody else would distance from. Those are the people that God is drawn. What a powerful image. What a powerful symbol of the work that God is doing through these people, that God's beginning to reveal what the work of grace is, that grace is not a work that you do on your own. Grace is a work that God does. And then God eventually works through you. It's not about you and what you can do because you can never do it on your own, but it's about a God who comes in and who says, that righteousness you got for yourself, that ain't good enough. It's not enough to be drawn to me. As a matter of fact, it's enough to be repelled from me. But even in the midst of your righteousness, I'm doing a work to you that I will break every one of your righteousnesses and I will draw you to my righteousness. God's righteousness is not our performance. Righteousness is not our ability. God's righteousness is not, I got this God and I can do this. God's righteousness is, I did it for you. So you don't have to do it. And there's nothing that you can do for it. All you need to do now is accept it and receive it so that you can be drawn to me. I'm your righteousness. I am your just reward. I am your glory. I'm the one that's doing the work. It's all me. It's nothing from you. So to God be the glory. Because the ones who are are the ones who have their own righteousness. But the ones who accept my righteousness it's the one that draws us back to his presence. So today, bringing our performance to God. Like today, stop, stop bringing your ability and what you did. Stop bringing your good record or how well you behaved. Posture yourself in dependence on him. To say, God, even what I'm doing ain't good enough. Even the good that I do is not good enough. Even when I do my best, it's still not enough. Even when I read my word, it's still not good enough. Even when I share your message, it's still not good enough. Even when I try to be an example to you, it's still not good enough. Even when I, I carry your name, it's still not good enough.
So today, God, I'm going to need your righteousness. That's our prayer. Today, God, I'm going to need your your grace. Today, God, I'm going to need you to do for me what you That while they never could get it right, you have one that's making it right for the ones who could never get it right. And it's when you know that that everything changes. So today, let's change the paths. Let's trust in God. Father, I thank you. Even as we go about this day, Father, I just ask that you would depend on you, to trust in you. But not on our righteousness, our ability, our performance, our compliance, but Lord, to trust entirely on you, to give up our lives to you, to rely upon you in total for every part of our lives. Not even where we're broken, but where we feel like we got it together, Father. I pray that you would, Lord, do a new thing in us. Us, Lord, that apart from you, we can do nothing. We love you today, Lord. And we ask that you give us grace to endure this day. Or that tomorrow again, we can get the grace to give you glory. And we say that in your name, we pray. Amen. Thank y'all, fam. <laughs> Thank y'all, fam.